Support for the WSHU podcast Off the Path comes from Webster Private Bank with personalized wealth management services to help clients move forward confidently. WebsterBank.com slash private banking, member FDIC. And from Au Pair in America, cultural exchange child care for more than 30 years. AuPairInAmerica.com. McSorley's Old Ale House opened in the 1850s. It's one of the oldest bars in New York City. Its slogan used to be, good ale, raw onions, and no ladies. They, they let ladies in now, after a landmark ruling. But other than that, it's pretty much unchanged. This is Off the Path from WSHU Public Radio. I'm Davis Donovan. I search out the oddball and fascinating stories on the road from New York to Boston. McSorley's is in the heart of Manhattan's East Village, and if you want a seat, you have to get here around the time it opens at 11 a.m., which is what I did. Welcome to McSorley's. Gregory de la Haba is a waiter and a bartender. As well as the artist in residence. Back in the 90s, the owner of McSorley's hired Gregory to paint a portrait of his daughter, who was also the bar's first female bartender. And ever since that moment I met her, he's kept me around and allowed me to marry his daughter. The owner, Maddie Marr, passed away last month at the age of 80 after I did this interview. His son-in-law, Gregory, carries on the bar's traditions, which includes throwing sawdust on the floor every morning. The sawdust is both form and function. It coats the wood floor, protects it, but then it absorbs any of the spillage of the ale because we're a bar that we definitely, to use an old term, sling suds. Throwing sawdust on the floor was a common thing to do in bars when Irish immigrant John McSorley opened the place in 1854. He called it the old house at home. John McSorley didn't believe in alcohol. I do a double take. A bar owner who didn't believe in alcohol? Gregory corrects himself. Oh, spirits, I should say. He didn't believe in whiskeys and rums and because he thought that was the root of all evil. He believed if you left a man alone with a good mug of ale, he would cause no trouble. And... I tell you, knock on wood, we haven't had any trouble here at McSorley's in the 26 years that I'm here. There's nostalgia on every inch of wall space at McSorley's. The clock above you here, we haven't touched that clock since the hour of John McSorley's death in 1910. It was a tradition back then that when someone in the family died, you would stop the clocks. There's an original wanted poster from the murder of Abraham Lincoln, authenticated by a lawyer in 1890. And... That's the original bell from the original Madison Square Garden. One of the most poignant artifacts, a row of wishbones above the bar. Those wishbones were put there by the regulars who drank here during World War I. They were put up for good luck before they went to fight over in Europe. And when they came home, they would take a wishbone down. And the remaining wishbones? Those are the soldiers who had never returned home to retrieve their wishbone. Bill Wander is the bar's official historian. He says McSorley's is the oldest continually operated bar in New York City because... They didn't close during Prohibition. And I've been through the books and I can't find this place rated at all. Wander says he knows the bar was open in 1925 during Prohibition because that's when E.E. E. Cummings wrote a poem called Sitting in McSorley's Drinking the Ale That Never Lets You Grow Old. By early afternoon, McSorley's is packed. A raucous group of young patrons sees me with a microphone and beckons me over. This is our first time. Corey, Amanda, and Brianna are from California. 
this is this place is amazing. I love the nostalgia. I love the the, the vibe, the people, the servers, everything. The history, amazing. They heard about some of the history before they walked in the door. My favorite part of it, and I don't know what year it was, but this was a gentleman's only club until like the 60s or 70s. Good old boys club. McSorley's was men only when it was founded, like a lot of bars in the 1800s. And that house rule stuck for over a century. Even in the 1960s, owners thought admitting women would mean the death of their business. And then in 1969, two female attorneys from the National Organization for Women walked in, ordered drinks, and were denied service. Gregory de la Haba says they sued and won their case. And then New York Mayor John Lindsay took a major step forward and signed a historic bill in 1970. The New York law that stipulates no public establishment can bear anybody based on race, sex, creed, or gender is actually called the McSorley Law because of that court case. It took another 16 years before the bar put in a women's restroom. Obviously admitting women didn't put McSorley's out of business. Gregory de la Habas says one reason the bar stands today the McSorley family bought the building in 1888. Ever since, the bar's proprietors have owned the building, too. You know, it's a shame. I know easily a dozen bars in this city that are closing shop in the new year because their rents have doubled, and it's just not worth it. De La Haba says McSorley's is a rare remnant of the old East Village of the days before gentrification. The neighborhood has changed dramatically over the years, but what hasn't changed is the inside of this establishment. It's a place of comfort, he says. Any New Yorker who's ever left this city for greener pastures, whether it's North Carolina, Florida, the West Coast, Arizona, when they come back to New York to visit, it's not to see their family, it's to visit McSorley's, where their father drank, where their grandfather drank. And maybe where their sons and daughters will drink someday too you know, when they're old enough. This is Off the Path from WSHU Public Radio. I'm Davis Donovan, looking for fun and history on the road from New York to Boston. <laughs>